And now, our feature presentation. I like it spooky. Hey everybody, welcome to the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast. I'm Brian. I am Clint, and if you're dealing with winter blues, just down about life in general, or maybe you're just psychotic, I'm here to tell you that like Norman Bates said, we all go a little mad sometimes. I'm mad all the time. Not like angry mad, like psychotic mad. Yeah, that one too. Kind of like the movie that we're going to discuss in a little bit, like multiple personality mad, crazy mad. Yeah, I'm mad you made me watch it. (laughs) Ooh, that bad, huh? Newsflash early on, Brian does not like the movie we watched, much like a lot of people. But before we get to that news, let's get to some horror news. So I actually have a couple news stories uh, pulled up here. There's a lot of horror news right now. All my uh, stories are from Bloody Disgusting. And the first one is about a movie called Night Bitch. That's what made me look into it. Name caught my eye. Night Bitch? Amy Adams horror movie. Rated R for language and sexuality. Not blood and guts. Wait, you're telling me that a movie called Night Bitch is rated R for language? No. Yeah. So it's about a a woman thrown into a stay-at-home mom routine, uh, raising a toddler in the suburbs, who slowly embraces the feral power deeply rooted in motherhood. As she becomes increasingly aware of the bizarre and undeniable signs that she may be turning into a canine. it just sounds weird. I have so much I want to say about that, but I'm just, I'm not going to fucking touch it with a 10 foot pole. I'm interested to see the project. Yeah, it's going to Hulu. So it's a Hulu original. I'll check it out. And then another one Frogman trailer just dropped from Bloody Disgusting. Cryptid horror movie may become your next found footage obsession this March. I watched the trailer. It seems interesting. I want a little more on it, but I like cryptids. Kind of has that Blair Witch feel to it. Cryptids must be like the the craze right now because something I, I passed when I was looking on which news story to pull was that James Wan is getting ready to direct a Cthulhu story, a Lovecraftian story. It's the hot thing right now. And then the last one, this is the big news probably for this time period in horror. Full Moon has a new label, Pulp Noir, with 10 films slated to drop this year. They're going to be filming in America and Italy. You can actually become a Patreon supporter, where you can pay, I think it was like 10 grand a month, or I don't even remember what it was, but they had several layers. And if you pick the highest layer, you're an executive producer on every movie. Some of the movies they have that they've slated are Subhuman, Subscriber, Zombie Hotel, and Bad CGI Werewolves. Did you see the thing about bad CGI Gator a while ago? Yep. I think that's already, is that already out? I think so. That was a few months ago. I haven't seen it, but it looked like a lot of fucking fun. So obviously it must've been a hit if they're going to continue with that. But none of the titles that you just described or listed off scream film and war to me. No. I think of, you know, detectives and crime. And so that's kind of odd. Yeah. That's kind of a weird name, but it's full moon. It's going to be kind of odd. Yeah. Supposed to be darker and edgier than recent full moon content. You can't have a movie called Bad CGI Werewolf and have it be darker and edgier. That's flat out trauma comedy stuff right there. I don't know what they're doing, but 
I mean, they've been around for a long time and they keep pumping out movies, so they're doing something right. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not knocking them because I love Full Moon. And um, who doesn't want to see a movie called Bad CGI Gator? It rates right up there with, uh, what was that one movie? It wasn't uh, Full Moon, but it was killer cocaine crabs from outer space or something like that. It's just good time shit. And uh, you can go over to Full Moon's YouTube channel. And Charles Band talks about everything, talks about all the levels of the Patreon, you know, all the Patreon support. You can sign up for all these levels and get your name stamped on these movies or just get inside information or a T-shirt. I see a full moon box set coming if you subscribe for a year of full moon features. The last time I gave full moon money was back during Corona and they put out was it Corona Zombies? And I had to see the movie. And so I paid them. I can't remember if I paid for just the movie or if I bought like a monthly subscription. I didn't keep it just because I didn't keep it. But it was such a <laughs> such a fucked up movie. It was just fun and terrible. And most of it was recycled footage from like Zombie 2, I think, or something like that. But they were fighting over toilet paper. It was hilarious. The people or the zombies? Or both? I think it was just the people. I want to see zombies fight over toilet paper. All right. That'd be fun. That's the next offshoot of The Walking Dead. <laughs> There's only one warehouse left in the world full of Charmin, and it's mine. What kind of news you got, Clint? Well, I actually wasn't even going to talk about this, but you had talked about uh, the next shoot off of The Walking Dead. I don't have it in front of me. I want to say February 25th, regardless, it's the end of this month, and that is the new Walking Dead spinoff, Rick and Michonne, The Ones Who Live is set to air and you know that's interesting if anybody has followed that over the years it was going to be i believe it was going to go to theaters and i think it was going to be a three-part feature-length film series and then you know it went back and forth and stuff like that but so we finally get to see rick back on on the small screen and him and michonne are going to fight and reunite even if you're not a walking dead fan anymore it just looks interesting these are characters we haven't seen in you know what two and a half seasons or something like that and of course rick was you know carried that show for the most part for a lot of people so to see what happened to him after he blew up on the bridge halfway through season eight or nine or whatever it was what i did choose for the news and this is from comicbookmovie.com and that is i'm gonna screw his name up because i always do and people laugh at me because he's a known actor channing tatum i think it's how you say his name you know from magic mike and 21 jump street it looks like he is attached to plans of a live action movie based on the max you know, the comic book series that turned into the animated series on MTV, which I absolutely love. I was fortunate enough to get a an action figure of the Max. But the plans were announced back in 2019, and we haven't heard a single update since. And so everybody just kind of assumed that the project was shelved. Um, now his name is attached to it, and it looks like it is going to be moving forward sometime in the near future. And I think, and this I could be really wrong on this, but reading this article, it looks like it's going to be kind of a loose tie-in to the Marvel Universe which the max on the big screen live action i'd go see that i'm not a big comic book guy but it's the max how can you pass that up did you watch the animated series on mtv i think i caught a couple episodes here and there but it wasn't something that i watched from like beginning to end it was so good because it was one of those things that it was fun it was gory and it it wasn't point A to point B, like you really had to just kind of, it was very much open for interpretation. I got a little synopsis for the Max, if no one's seen it or heard of it. A confused, hulking, homeless superhero, the Max, tries to protect his social worker and friend Julie from an ominous serial killer, Mr. Gone, both in the real world 
which may or may not actually be real, and the subconscious fantasy world. So, I mean, that synopsis right there lets you know that the Max is kind of just open to whatever. Such a fantastic story. It would have to be CGI or practical effects to make him that big. I mean, they're not going to like do like Lou Ferrigno and the Hulk and have him like painted blue. Right, yeah, <laughs> painted purple and put some yellow feathers on his head. No, I would I would hope they would go with a really badass creature suit. I think anybody listening to this show knows that, well, I guess I'm speaking for myself. I think for you too, Brian, though, is we don't hate CGI. It's okay when it's used correctly and when needed, but it's not the best way to go. I'd rather see the practical effects. And again, it's who's going to have their hands on it. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have said that. It's a Paramount. It's a Paramount. We're going to be a Paramount. So there's going to be money behind it. I mean, who's making those decisions on what they do, how it looks, who's the makeup people. That's all super important in a project like this. It sounds to me like you and I should be in charge of those decisions. We'd probably do better. Nothing against what people in Hollywood are doing, but it's just, this seems to fall out of their scope of what they do well. What do they do well? I don't know. I'm I'm beginning to wonder anymore after watching the ward, but this is the ward was. You know, oh come on! Fourteen years ago. <laughs> come on! Oh, I can't wait to talk to you about this movie. Well, I I do. I think we should be putting our resumes together, you know. But that's going to cost some money, so maybe I'll have to find a friend who could just do it for me. Because you know, as usual, I don't even care if it's tax season. It's tax tea season. That means it's time to buy T-shirts from inkmirrors.com because I don't have any money. I'm poor. So on this episode of Why Are We Poor, I'm super poor because I had a lot of stuff come in. A lot of stuff I ordered like a while ago, but it's starting to show up. So I paid for it then, but now I'm getting it. First thing. Ooh, you need a medical outprint of the building and the cars. There's like red. What's what's the red around there? Like a red fog. Okay, that's what I thought. So these are from Jason Edmondson. He does Eyes Without a Face and he does the horror houses. So he's from Canada. He's an artist. These are glickies or whatever they call them but it's the you the you need a medical and he's done you know the cabin from friday 13th and the myers house and the text chainsaw massacre house and i actually ordered two because I was, it was the same shipping pretty much for one so i was like i'll get two and i'll keep one and i'll hold on to one you know maybe to sell or trade someday yeah and edmondson was one of that uh original mondo crew and then uh, when I signed up for Vinegar Syndrome's subscription for the next year, they had a sale every day. So I grabbed some movies that were on sale just because they look good. Last Gasp, pray you never hear it. That looks interesting with the war paint there. It almost looks kind of like Native American or something, but, but it also looks like a freaking zombie. Yeah, and I read the synopsis on the back of these sometimes, and I'm still like, I have no idea what this is about. <laughs> and then sometimes you watch them, and you're like, I have no idea what the fuck this is about. <laughs> and then I'm, this is called The Hole in the Fence. Rabbits on the back. There's a prime example of what the hell is that all about. And the movies in this next shipment aren't even the coolest thing. It's from Terrorvision. They send you a fish, a fortune teller fish every time. They send me a Tootsie Roll, because they must know I'm diabetic and love Tootsie Rolls. Then a bunch of movies. The Door, which is Japanese. Wood Chipper Massacre. Yes. Oh, I love the artwork on that. Oh, it's coming out. Okay, yeah. The, the front is the front is a getting a body getting shoved into the wood chipper, and the back is everything coming out. I love it. Hollow Gate. Looks kind of Disney Mansion on the front and 80s slasher on the back. Dead Air. Yeah, it's got Bill Mosley. Yeah, I've seen uh, most of that. I think that was on like Sci-Fi Channel one day, and I was watching it. Blood Car. <laughs> okay. I like the back. <laughs> 
She's on the other side, just and then slashers. He likes the back because she's like half naked. Are you game slashers? Six contestants, three slashers, no prisoners. And this is Japanese too, I, I believe. I think I remember seeing that on Shutter. I could be wrong. Here's the coolest thing from that. He's so excited, his voice cracked. Toxic Crusaders cards. Yeah, they're like little sticker cards. Is it a pack? Yeah. Are you going to open it? No. Good man. 1991 Troma, all rights reserved. I think there's like oh, six album stickers. There were 39 cents in 1991. Now it's probably five ninety-five And $7 tax. And a 3% use your debit card fee. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Fuck. And you got to pay us two bucks just because you were looking at it. So I thought that was, I was like, oh, that's cool. I mean, I'm sure it's not worth like anything, you know. See, there's a barcode on the back. We could always scan it on eBay and see what it says. That's like a wide variety of stuff, though. What I find interesting, I feel like this is a commercial for TerraVision, right? This is TerraVision stuff? Yeah, that second lot was TerraVision stuff. What I like about when you show your TerraVision stuff is, again, you don't choose this. They put this together for you. And it is always such a hodgepodge. There's, there's a little bit of something in there for everybody, even people who aren't fans of really terrible movies, you know? Well, yeah, because I feel like there's a couple shot on video in there. There's a couple foreign. Dead Air is pretty mainstream. Maybe not mainstream, but it's, you know, it's got Bill Mosley and Patricia Tallman in it. So it was shown on sci-fi and it's been around for a while. So yeah, there's a nice mixture of things that they're doing. So they're getting ready to put out Dante's Inferno or Inferno, um, which is like a black and white silent film. So I'm ex- I'm excited for that. But of those, probably Woodchipper Massacre should be a blast. And I hear Blood Car is really good. So I'm excited to watch that one. Wait, who told you that Blood Car was good? Justin Beam. Okay. Or he said it was fun. The name you put out there was going to let me know if it was really going to be any good or not. So If I would have said Brian Clark, you'd have been like, no, I'm not, I don't want to watch that. Saying, I didn't say any names. I didn't say any names. We don't have to say names. <laughs> Oh, Brian Clark, we love you. Hey, you know, Brian Clark actually sent me a message uh, as a couple weeks ago now. And he's like, hey, Clint. He was like, did you hear that Demoniacs is getting a 4K release? And I said, the algorithm must have heard us talk about it on the show. I was like, or maybe the fact that we bring it up to bash it every other show there. The algorithm heard, oh, a lot of people are talking about this movie. We need to release it on 4K. I was like, so if anything, we helped it, Brian. He just kind of laughed. I don't think I need to see that movie in 4K. No. I mean, I'd watch the lady from that movie in 4K, but that would be it. I always said that if I die and go to hell, my hell is going to be a never-ending day at my day job, where it's just nonstop doing that over and over and over. I think it actually might be sitting there having to watch Demoniacs. I don't know. That's pretty strong. That movie wasn't that bad. What would yours yours be? Watching the ward. (laughs) Really that bad? No. Wow. I'm sorry, yeah, because usually when I suggest something, you get pretty excited. I guess we'll get to that in a minute, because first, I got to tell you why I'm bored. I'm really not. Well, I am, but I mean, I haven't spent anything. In fact, um, I'm one step closer to selling the collection, being categorized and everything, and moving forward with that. Still not 100%. I'm 95.5995% sure that I'm going to do it. In the meantime, though, the... Like I said, it may sound kind of weird to people. I'm ready to sell my collection, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop collecting. So like NECA, for example, 
this year is putting out a Nosferatu action figure and they're putting out a Lon Chaney London After Midnight and they're putting out a Christopher Lee action figure, the Horror Dracula. None of them have released yet, but pictures of the Nosferatu one have released yet with the packaging. And I sent it to a friend who's concerned about me selling my collection saying, don't do this, don't do this. And I said, this right here is why it's never going to stop. Like this is going to kind of like, if there was a stop start point, this Nosferatu figure is going to be the beginning of the continuation. So I'll be picking that up when it comes out it's not even out yet but also um if you're looking for nosferatu figures super seven does a pretty cool one a little more cartoony and it comes in this fun coffin shaped box but caustic plastic have you ever seen any of the caustic plastic stuff i don't think so beautiful resin and plastic detailed figures um they go for a pretty penny but it's worth it i don't have any um, they had a Vincent Price one that I was going to get a while back, and I just... But I mean, we're, we're talking hundreds of dollars, but this shit is beautiful, and they have a fantastic Nosferatu one. So, if you're a Nosferatu fan, and you're a collector, or you just, you're not, and you want an action figure, NECA's coming out with one. Check out Super 7. Look up Caustic Plastic. It's tax time. Taxes are coming back. If you're feeling generous, buy me one. You know what I mean? I swear I won't sell it. <laughs> the only thing that I've actually bought is it'll be after the time of this recording, but by the time you hear this episode, I ran down to my local comic shop, Nostalgic Inc., and bought the, on Valentine's Day, the My Bloody Valentine comic that's coming out that we talked about on the last episode where we covered all the My Bloody Valentine stuff. I needed that reminder because I got to get on somewhere and find where I can buy that. And you know, it'll be three, four, five bucks. And that's one of those ones where I'll buy two, one that I keep wrapped up in case I decide to grade it and slab it or whatever. And one that I'll, uh, open up and read. I met some guys from the PFPN and we had lunch and kind of went around Burlington a couple week weekends ago and they have a store there called Need a Bigger Boat Collectibles and they had the Halloween and I know it was the Halloween maybe Friday 13th some other comic books and the Halloween ones were like 80 bucks a pop 55 to 80 bucks a pop and I sent them to another friend of ours and he's like that's a good deal actually I was like they sell for that much Oh, comics go for crazy money. Crazy money. I've been wanting to get my hands on the 1972, I believe it's Tuma Dracula comic. And it's the first um, appearance of Blade. I, I think it's Tuma Dracula or Dracula Die. Something about Dracula. And I mean, that's, um, and this actually, in, in the comic world and comic collectors, like true comic collectors will know this actually isn't that bad either, but it uh, goes for like 150, 100, you know, just under 200 bucks. Yeah, there is some money in the comic world. Money. I need some money. You need money? I do. Can we find a sponsor that'll buy us a comic? Maybe. Give us a comic? Probably. They'll probably give us like an old an old Archie comic that no one wants for like 99 cents. Heathcliff or some uh, you know, Marvel superhero that's going to get a movie in the next 10 years because they've ran out of people. Nothing cool like the fucking Max. No, not at all. The Global Community for Podcasts, Good Pods, is a fast-growing, award-winning free podcast player and discovery app where you can listen to, discover, and share all your favorite podcasts and shows. Available on iPhone and Android app stores or at goodpods.com, it is the place to follow your friends, discover new podcasts, track your podcast listens, and bookmark new podcasts for later. Sign up today for your free account at goodpods.com. So now that we've heard from our sponsor, it's time for the movie. Oh, Clint. This 2010 American supernatural psychological thriller directed by John Carpenter is called The Ward. Okay, hold on. I got a better intro. Ready? It had been 10 years since John Carpenter directed a movie. 
This would be the last film he would direct to date. Described by his wife, Sandy King, as John's chick flick, we are here to discuss 2010's The Ward. John Carpenter wanted to spend a couple weeks with, is it five? Five, six, Yeah, yeah, five, six young women, yes. Don't, you're going to make them sound like an islander, don't you? Well, no, but that's what it was. I was like, they should have called this like pretty white chicks in a psych facility or something like, like a Lifetime movie. You know what I mean? This was, it was the last film that John directed. It had been 10 years. The the film he directed 10 years previous was actually my least favorite John Carpenter film, Ghosts of Mars. So we got to get John to do something good. Well, he recently directed that uh, Suburban Screams, but I think that was like, from his couch <laughs> that was for like a streaming service and i think that was kind of like an anthology series it wasn't a feature-length film if i'm correct i know i talked about it on the news a while ago can i at least tell you why I, why i chose this movie to watch because you're trying to remind me of the psych facility yes <laughs> it's time to put you back where you belong my friend no so because of the nugget and stagecoach and right now i'm heavily into developing the nugget into the entertainment complex that shall be known as psychotherapy i've been going back and revisiting one flew over the cuckoo's nest and um american horror story season two asylum i've just been going back to i sat there and watched nurse ratcheted just looking for bits of inspiration you know things i could tie into what i'm doing because what i'm doing is going to mimic an old psych ward I had seen this movie before. I knew it wasn't popular. I fairly enjoyed it. And I was, it popped up on Tubi and I'm like, oh, the ward. And I was like, hey, a lot of times on this show, we try to throw love to films that just don't seem to get it a whole lot. And this to me was one that, you know, deserved it. So that's why I made you watch the ward. So it starts out, it's a a young girl. She's lost in the woods or trying to find somewhere to go in the woods. The police are looking for her and she finds a farmhouse and she burns it down. Capture her and they, that was a kind of a weird, put the cuffs on her, put her in the back. Don't put her in and then put the cuffs on her, like put her in the car. I did like that it was set back in the 60s and it seemed like everything was time period, what it should have been. I did like that. They did do a good job with that part of the movie. Did you see when they were trying to put her in the back of the cop car and she's, you know, flailing her arms and legs around and she kicked the door? And I I don't think that was supposed to happen because the cop that was standing there trying to open the door, he was almost getting ready to put his hand or his arm in there and he pulled it back real quick. It would have got ripped off. So uh, they transport her to a psychiatric hospital. North Bend. It was actually Eastern State Hospital in Medical Lake, Washington, which is actually a real functioning facility. And here's another fun thing about this movie. And as I went through the Internet Movie Database and as I watched the credits to remind myself, I'm wondering if it was just fiction because (laughs) if it was just made up. But I live in I grew up in Jackson, Michigan. I'm 20 minutes south of Jackson, Michigan. Jackson, Michigan has like the largest prison system. We're known as Prison City. I had always heard that scenes of this movie were shot in one of the buildings of the prison system. In fact, there, there's a, a wing of the prison system that's closed now, and it was a museum. And it was kind of fun. You could go in there and see how prison life was, especially it was dated with, it was like going to a museum with fun facts. I don't know if any were actually shot or maybe they were supposed to be, and then they passed on it. Um, I'll get to more of that in a little bit when we get to the tunnels. Yeah, this was supposed to take place in Oregon, which I wondered if that was a nod to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because that psych ward was in Oregon. Apparently, everybody's crazy in in Oregon. $10 million budget and made about half of that back, so not successful at the box office. And in 2010, it kind of gave me that, you know how 
horror flipped in from like the 80s to the 90s and then again kind of into the 2000s it had that 2000 feel to it so i felt like back then people would have enjoyed it you know more maybe more mainstream people would have enjoyed it it just didn't catch on enough with um, you know maybe horror people didn't word of mouth it enough that mainstream people heard about it and wanted to go see it i'm surprised with it having john carpenter's name attached to it that it didn't do better it's a slow burn. It's kind of comprised of like a series of faded out segments, not really vignettes, but just, you know, the, a little thing will happen and then it fades out and then something will happen and it fades out almost like it was made for cable television or something. So, but bottom line, it's a beautiful film. I mean, it's not your typical John Carpenter film, but it starts off and it has that feel of all those simple, clean frame shots of the surrounding environment, introducing you to what's going on. It had that classic creepy horror film. And I wonder if that's why it didn't catch on because in 2010, everything seemed like it was just go, go, go. You know, I, I can't think of a good example, but everything was very fast and loud and in your face. And then here comes John making this kind of really traditional, slow paced, creepy, psychological, supernatural thriller. Yeah, the, the film looks good. I feel like it was well acted for what they had. Maybe And maybe that's it. They just didn't have, the actors and actresses just didn't have enough to work with. I mean, the story wasn't enough. I thought it had a great story, but I will admit, I agree with you. This I think this whole project had a lot of potential. I think it, it could have tapped into a lot more potential. I also get the impression that John, at this point of his career, was kind of like, I don't know, I'm getting close to retirement and I've seen guys who retire. And it's kind of like that last year of retirement. You're just like, nah, fuck it. You know what I mean? I'm still here and I'm still doing my stuff, but I don't really care. I'm leaving soon. And I don't mean maybe that it didn't have a great story. They didn't fill it enough. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't enough dialogue to fill it well. And there was so much I felt like they could have done that they didn't do. And maybe that's it. Maybe he's just went for a paycheck or maybe he was super excited about it and he got there and he's like, nah, I, I really don't want to. Kind of like when you sign up for an extra shift at work. You're like, oh man, I can't wait to fucking get some extra money and, you know, buy something. And then you get there and you're like, why the fuck did I sign up for this? Why am I here? I did that yesterday. They're like, Clint, do you want to work? And I was like, no. And then I was like, yeah, I'll come in. And then I got there and I'm like, oh, fuck, what am I doing? <laughs> I wouldn't tell anybody not to watch this movie. I just, if it was on, I would be like, eh, what else is on? Something else that I hope doesn't scare people away from this movie, because I do not believe in cancel culture, is this movie stars Amber Heard. And of course, a lot of people dislike Amber Heard. Um, some people have probably side with her, but I think most people dislike her because of the whole split between her and Johnny Depp. Well, I will tell you that happened 15 to this movie was made long before she even knew who the fuck Johnny Depp was. But I will say that although she didn't do a terrible job, Amber Heard, in my opinion, really isn't the best actress. All of the other young women in that ward I thought outshined her as far as their their acting this was well acted by by all the cast ex, in my opinion except Amber I really liked the nurse the older nurse lady and I kept waiting for something to happen with the orderly it was like they would build him up like he's going to be this horrible person and then nothing would happen did you kind of get that feeling like I did right off the bat they were giving him that little sleaze edge where he's like I can be your best friend or I can be your worst enemy and it was just the way he delivered the line he kind of put his arm around her and leaned in I'm like okay this is he's taking advantage of the young women you know but he was just kind of at the end of the day he was more just a hard ass well cuz the one girl propositions him and he's like I am not dating you <laughs> 
like Brian said, the beginning of the ward, uh, you see Kristen is a character's name. Amber Heard is running through the woods. She's a little confused. She burns down a farmhouse. The cops pick her up. They take her to the psych ward. And there she meets, I forget the number two, it's four or five other young women. And she meets her doctor, who her doctor created the T-virus. Oh, yeah. There's no story tie-in. Her doctor played the doctor in Resident Evil Part 2 Apocalypse, who was the creator of the T-Virus. And it was about the same time. Um, so she meets the, uh, you know, her ward mates, the other young women, and then they just kind of are learning how to coexist. But there's always this kind of weird mystery going on. And then we get the introduction of this supernatural zombie-like, which we come to find out is a, a girl named Alice Hudson, who seemingly haunts the girls and tries to kill them or wants to harm them and then the rest of the movie is trying to figure out who alice is why she is wanting to hurt these young women basically the rest of the movie is Kristen trying to escape i didn't mind the effects on alice it was fine it was kind of unique wasn't it she had this like really realistic looking corpse look to her but then they gave her the cgi where her skin was always kind of like moving and pulsating it was kind of weird Especially when you find out the rest of the story, because you think, was she burned? Was Is she rotting? What is going on with her? Just look rotted to me, but yeah. And then as the girls are killed, you know, Alice is getting revenge on them for something. They don't know what, or just killing them, and they don't know why. Was it real? Was it not real? I mean, if we're jumping forward to the end, like, is anybody dead? Is everybody dead? Like, what's... <laughs> it turns into that psychological thriller, because the way I view the film, the way I view the ward, is it's all pretty literal as you're watching it, you know? And it's like, okay, this is going to be, for whatever reason, the ghost of this former inmate is, you know, wanting to harm these people. But then there's a couple subtle clues. One is, is all the girls are sitting outside, and they look up in the window and see two people standing there and she's like who's that and she said oh that's the sad people and i'm like hmm. it's just the way it was delivered i wonder if that's like her mom and dad is something going on here and then there was another part in the movie where it was the second time we see amber Heard's Kristen character talking to her doctor and she's like who the hell is this alice chick she I, she was a ghost she tried to choke me in the shower she wears iris why is all the secrecy blah 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 the doctor gets this look on his face of oh my god we're making a breakthrough or something like there's something going on. And he said, really a ghost. What does she look like? What is her name? Tell me about her. And those things, it was like, wait a minute, maybe this is all in her head. Yeah. And I think this would be a film that if I go back and watch again, knowing the story, I might actually like better, like knowing what's going on. I might actually enjoy it more. Because then you can look for the clues. Yeah, you could look for the clues. You can kind of wrap the whole story up because you get to the end of it and you're like, the, the twist is fine. But yeah, I'd want to go back and watch it and be like, oh, that's why that happened. Oh, that's why that happened. See, I thought it was a cool twist. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm like the only person on the face of the earth who actually appreciates this movie. Let's let's give the spoiler. You want to give the spoiler? Yeah. Maybe we can drive people to go to Tubi and watch this. We need like a loud spoiler alert. <laughs> All right, we'll put it on there. <laughs> so you find out at the very end of the movie that Kristen is just another one of the multiple personalities that Alice Hudson has. Throughout the film, you get these interjections of this little girl chained up in this like dark kind of basement or tool shed or something and as the movie goes on you see a little bit more of that scene and a little bit more of that scene and of course there's this big bearded guy that comes in he's got this young girl i think she was like 11 or 12 or something chained up uh you come to find out that alice hudson was abducted from her home 10 years prior to the events that we're watching she was 11 or 12 was kept in this place for two months 
two plus months. They don't really say, but they just allude that she was physically and sexually abused. And of course, it sent her into trauma and her psyche fractured. And you find out that all of the girls in the psych ward are actually just personalities of Alice. Kristen is the newest one. And she is the protector and each of these characters are a different part of her personality. And that the personalities actually got stronger than Alice and tried to kill her in the fantasy world. And that's why Alice is back stalking them as a zombie. So I thought it was a neat twist. You know, she goes through this whole thing and she figures out the mystery as she goes. She essentially cures herself and her and the Kristen character jump out the window at the end of the movie once she has this flood of realization. It did have some cool kills. Could have done a little better with some of them, maybe showed a little bit more, but I don't know. What was this rated even? Is this a rated R film? Ooh, it's a good question. If it was a little scarier, if it had a little more language, if it had a little more edge, a little more blood and guts, because there was some, um, and some of the scary scenes were scary. I thought the apparition of zombie Alice appearing and through the fog and the shower and then going away was kind of cool. I mean, it's rated R. Yeah, they could have added more. I mean, they were already at rated R, so like when... Uh, the girl gets the lobotomy. I could see a little bit more of that. I mean, the girl that got her neck slit, that was full on. You see all of that. And that was probably the best kill in the movie. But no one actually died. So, I mean, her personalities died. All mine are still alive. I've got a few. Shut up. I'm busy. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, they could have went, you know, a little more of everything. I think so. And with a, with a $10 million budget, I don't know what that all entailed i do know this was um the first film or no the second film i think that he did not shoot in panavision which i don't think that affects the budget it was just a fun fact and also this was the first film that john carpenter did not compose the score for which i thought was interesting I didn't even really pay attention to the much of the music. I was trying to figure out how she was going to escape from this place and that they need to increase their security measures. <laughs> they only had one guard, one nurse. That was part of the surrealness of it, too, is it was a massive complex. And I'm like, yeah, why is she, how did she make it into the morgue by herself? Why is she running down the, the tunnel by herself? So I want to get to the tunnels because this is the part that I was curious if it was shot in Jackson. I got to tell a story, a fun story. There's a scene towards the middle of Act 3 where her and another personality are trying to escape. We don't know their personalities yet. They run out of the morgue and they're running into these tunnels. Well, again, in Jackson, Michigan, there are a series of underground tunnels that run beneath the library downtown, a big bank downtown, the old East High School, which is now a Bible school, the prison... I'm forgetting something. There's another, there's one more place. And some people, the rumors were that they were bomb shelters. The rumors are they're part of the, part of the underground railroad. I've been down in those tunnels before a friend of mine, his dad was the, uh, the headmaster at the Bible college. And so we would go there at night and we'd get down and go in the tunnel and start to head towards the prison, which is miles, but still it's so fucking scary down there. And one night we got way back in there and we started hearing real crazy messed up noises and you know, almost like disembodied moans or something. I mean, and it wasn't our psyche. It was just scary as hell. So we just turned around and went back. Oh, the high school, Jackson high school is the other place where I graduated from high school. And I've been down in those tunnels before too. And they look similar to what I saw in this film. So I wonder if that is uh, some of the scenes that were shot here. I was trying to find out if this film ever made it to Blu-ray. It just seems like something that Shout or Scream Factory would put out. You know, they kind of dabble in that right there on the mainstream, but not mainstream. And not everything they put out is good, but they always make it very interesting because they add amazing content to the end of the movie. 
you know, all the interviews and stuff that make you kind of like talking to you. When you enjoy a film, I always feel like I leave an episode liking the film more. And even when you don't like a movie, I feel like I leave the episode liking the film more. (laughs) (laughs) I just talk to you and I'm like, oh, I love that movie now. Even if it was the worst movie I've ever seen. Except Demoniacs. Look, I'll tell you, it's a slow burn. I enjoy this story. I think I like this movie more than... I think more people would enjoy this movie if they give it a chance. But I will say the ending, the jump scare ending felt rushed. It does make sense, though, if you think about it. So at the very end of the movie, Alice, who is, you know, we now see her as how she really is. We don't see Amber Heard's Kristen. Alice is who she is, and she's getting ready to leave the hospital. She's looking into the mirror, and she goes to open the medicine cabinet. And, like, real fast, Kristen, um, Amber Heard's Kristen personality character jumps out at her and tries to kill her. And that's that's the end of the movie. And then we go to the credits and it's cool jump scare, but I was like, it felt forced. It felt weird. She wasn't decayed at all. It was just her. And I was like, it was kind of cheap and cheesy. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. When the other personalities of Alice killed off Alice, quote unquote, killed off Alice, she came back as a zombie to kill them. Now, Alice in reality has quote unquote, killed off the personality of Kristen. So yeah, she's going to stalk and haunt her now. And it just shows you that her mental illness is not gone. Yeah, and it's kind of like we talked about on the last episode of Indie Horror, that grief and trauma like that is never truly gone. I mean, you can't... How are you going to hide if you're tortured and sexually assaulted for two months of your life and left to die? It's never going to go away. It's always going to be a part of you. Yeah, the ending was kind of rushed. I don't know. I just felt like, like I said, there was something missing from the movie you know could i have got more of the story of the big hulking guy and the trauma and less of them dancing to 60s music Yeah, it was very much what Sandy King said. It was John Carpenter's chick flick. I did watch it and think Jack would like it, like my son would like this. It's a kind of a popcorn horror movie with a little bit of, you know, blood and guts mixed in. So do you think, you know, we always talk a lot about gateway horror. Do you think, and maybe this wasn't John John Carpenter's intention, but do you think this is kind of one of those, it winds up because it plays a little on the safe side, that it winds up being that kind of teeny tween horror film? Oh, for sure. Because without the girl getting her neck sliced, you don't see much of anything. I mean, you see the girl getting a lobotomy, but that's a medical procedure. You can watch that on sci-fi network or not sci-fi but you know that's on would be on tv if you're watching some kind of medical show discovery channel or something like that so and even that you don't there's no blood or anything i don't think from that and it kind of cuts way quick yeah this is definitely a, a gateway horror film i'll tell you another interesting fact about this movie what's that it is probably the most interesting fact about the fucking movie are you ready yeah. At the very end of the movie, when Alice is Alice and she's laying in the hospital and she's in her bed and her parents are over there talking to her and the doctor's like, no, you can have her in a couple of days. If you go back and watch it, look at the curtains that are behind her on the wall. Those are the same curtains that are in the house that I grew up in. They were there since I was six and they're still fucking there today. It's the same exact curtains. I know those fucking curtains anywhere. Are you sure you grew up there? 
Are you sure that you weren't picked up and taken there? None of your none of your mental mumbo jumbo. <laughs> You're the one with the mental ward experience, buddy. Oh, it's kind of like what's that movie with Russell Crowe? Um, oh, about the math thing. Beautiful Mind. You watch that movie and then you sit there and wonder, oh my God, is is Brian real? Are our listeners real? Am I really in a cell right now, yanking bugs out of my skin or something? Is anything real? Yeah, maybe they're like a. If you take this kid, we'll give you a set of curtains. <laughs> Deal. We don't get them kind of deals in Michigan. Well, I guess it would have been right down the road from you. Hey, these are quality curtains. I'm telling you. They've lasted like basically my entire lifetime. They almost look still brand new. Well, let's get to surreal. Let's get to surreal ratings. Let's get to surreal numbers. What would you rate the ward? So after talking to you and realizing that I think my son would like it, and a lot of kids that are looking to get into horror movies would probably like it. Hell, Finley's probably going to watch it when she's seven or eight, you know, because she's ahead of the curve. I'll go with five pretty white girls out of ten in a psych ward. I should have went with five of my ex-girlfriends in a psych ward. (laughs) You wish they were your ex-girlfriends. They were all attractive young women. My ex-girlfriends would be their roommates in the psych ward. Oh, okay. I got you. I'm, I'm right. Actually, even though I seem to enjoy this more than you, I'm right along there with you. Uh, I'm going to kind of steal a rating from our last episode where we covered the My Bloody Valentine universe and we rated each one individually and I rated and as a whole and I rated the 20, 2009 remake as um, seven out of 10 personalities. I'm going to rate this six out of 10 personalities. And I was actually initially going to go with seven and then I realized I gave the 2009 My Bloody Valentine remake a seven and that is a better movie than this. But this is not a bad movie. I've said it before. To me, five is average. If it's on, I'm going to watch it. Six is a little bit above average. And I do. I think this movie had the potential for so much more. But I don't feel it deserves all the hate that it gets. So yeah, I'm going six out of ten. I will more than likely watch this again at some point. Yeah, like I said, if it's on, I will look for other stuff. But if it's like, oh, this is the only thing, I'd put it on and I'd probably look at my phone and you know maybe do some podcast work or something along those lines. But it would be on in the background. I'd pay attention to it, you know, every so often. But I went to Amazon because this does have a Blu-ray and DVD release. And the first, like, 12 people love this movie. Four and five stars. Oh, really? There's more than just me. Underrated hidden gem. Film looks great. Love the story. Yeah, there's more than just you. There's probably, like, a award support group, maybe, for people that love the award. <laughs> Hi, my name's Clint. I like John Carpenter's award. Hi, Clint. Tell us about your first experience with it. I do think the project would have been received better if it was almost like a, um, a six-part miniseries on TV or something. But it wasn't. It was made a feature film. So, Oh, you could have found out like 13 ghosts. You know how people are always clamoring for, I need more stories about the ghosts. You can get like a little story about each girl. No, if, if you went at this this story and this project from a dr- more of a dramatic angle, which it tried to kind of anyway, but even heavier on that side, you could. You could explore because each of those personalities were like her child side, her rebellion side, her protector, you know, it would have been fun to explore those different, different personalities in this surrealistic, is this real or not real kind of way. You know who has a lot of different personalities? Who's that? Our podcast network, the PFPN. Are they as crazy as you? Or I guess me now? I don't know that anybody is as crazy as me. I mean, maybe if you put them all together, all the shows. A raving bunch of fucking lunatics, the PFPN. So let's hear from them. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment 
the shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So now that we've heard from our podcast network, it's time for This Day in Horror, February 18th to March 2nd. I thought we were just going with horror history. I don't know. I can't make up my mind. Horror history. No? Just read the facts. <laughs> A date which will live in infamy. So on February 19th in 1970, we get the bird with the crystal plumage, Italian giallo film. Thank you, because I had no idea what the hell that was. I don't know that I've seen this one. I know most of these have like cats and birds and animals in the names of the movies. I'm not sure why. I never got that when I watched the movies. I mean, maybe there's a bird in the movie. I mean, in 1993, Army of Darkness, which is my favorite of the Evil Dead. <laughs> no. You don't mm. like Army of Darkness? I don't dislike Army of Darkness, but it's not my not my favorite. February 20th, 1932. We get Freaks from Todd Browning. We'll make a one of us a loving cop, a loving cop. We accept a one of us. We accept a one of us. Gooba gobble, gooba gobble. We accept her, we accept her. Gooba gobble. Currently on Tubi as well. I've been watching a lot of Tubi lately. Freaks is on Tubi. A lot of people bash Tubi or Pluto or the free stuff because it got ads. Well, guess what? Now Amazon Prime has ads. I was watching a movie the other day. They're like, would you like to watch this movie with or without ads? Take ads out for $3 more a month. And I'm like, you motherfucker. Netflix is doing that. Hulu has ads. So yeah, you can you can pay to not have the ads, but Tubi is free and the ads really aren't that long or bad. You go to Hulu and the, the ads are two minutes. Tubi, they're a 30 seconds, 45 second spot, and then you're done. So it's kind of getting to the point where, and I, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like our Redbox, our crackle, our popcorn flicks, our Tubi, our Pluto are going to be my go-tos. Because unless there's something fucking amazing on Amazon Prime, I don't need it. I've already canceled my subscription. Tiffany has it because she's a teacher, but... Bottom line, anybody listening, stop what you're doing right now. Bring up Netflix and bring up Tubi. And go through the horror sections and tell me which one you want to watch. Oh, yeah. The selections are... It's night and day. There is nothing on Netflix that is going to beat what's on any of the free streaming services. And they're not doing anything that's like Netflix exclusive. That's a great horror film. That's just not happening. Now I want to go watch some movies. And then on February 22nd in 1986, The Hitcher. I can guarantee that ain't on fucking Netflix. No, but it's on Tubi. Yeah. It is. <laughs> well, and it seems like anymore, if it's something I want to watch, I have to pay for it. I just watched uh, Behind the Mask. It wasn't free anywhere. I had to pay for it. So what is Prime and their extensive library doing for horror fans? Not much, if anything. I keep Prime for Night Court. I keep Hulu for Cheers. And then I watch Tubi. That's about it. And then February 28th in 1973, a little movie you may have heard of, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. <sighs> Are we going to cover that sometime this year and have Brian Hoover on? Yeah. Okay. He's busy, though. 
doing some artwork, I think, for people. Yeah, he's painting a mural. His mural wall kicked my ass last night because I'm dealing with a sloped ceiling and a sloped wall. So I got these two angles and I'm sitting there going, uh, <laughs> God damn. Go ahead. So actually, February 28th is probably the best day of the month. House in 1986. So you got Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things in 73. House in 86. A Tromeo and Juliet, which was filmed in 96, but was released in 97. And then The Visitation in 2006. All great flicks. All enjoyable. So And all across the board. So yeah, a little, a little trauma on their 50th anniversary year. A little mainstream, The Visitation. I mean, Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things is just horror 101 a basis for so much of the stuff that came after it and then house is just that black comedy fun movie it doesn't get much better than house this is a leap year they actually proved they proved that it didn't get better than house because house two was worse than house one and house three was worse (laughs) was worse than house two house four was there was a house four there was and actually william cat came back in that one it was not good either that's all i got for this month you were saying something about a leap year well, there was nothing. There was like one movie released on February 29th, and I had no idea what the fuck it was. Which is weird. It's every four years there's a February 29th, right? Something like that. Yeah, why wouldn't you think more stuff would come out? But it just didn't. You don't even know what the title was? You just saw it and said, I don't know what that is? I, I was like, I don't know what the fuck. It does not sound or look interesting because I looked at the poster. I was like, no, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Move along here. Nothing to see. Nothing at all. February 28th made up for the whole damn month. Exactly. That was the day throughout horror history where they let everybody know what was going on. This is what's going on on February 28th. Badass movery. Movery? Badass movies. Yeah, movery. That sounds cool. It's a mo- it's a movery day. I've just coined a new new phrase. Hell, I don't know. What is going what's going on? <laughs> So I have nothing going on that I'm aware of. Well, I mean, after this episode, when you're hearing this, I would have been watching Joe Bob on February 9th. Joe Bob's got a new special coming out. And I think in March, they start the bi-weekly one movie for the rest of the year. So I'll be doing that every other Friday night. Still kind of working on the stuff with the Capitol Theater in Burlington. Hope to get that news out soon. And working my way through the shorts for Halloween Palooza. I'm one of the judges for the film festival. We have six films in right now, which, I mean, that doesn't wrap up until August. So we're still a ways away. And we have six short films in already. Yeah, it seems like it's kind of late fall, or I'm sorry, fall, late spring, early summer when you really like, I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I've got like 75 movies I got to watch. (laughs) So yeah, I'm excited that there's this many in so far. And I found the first one that I really liked. And I found first one that I really didn't like. That's what happened this week. (laughs) What about you? Let's see. Nothing specifically. Things are moving along out to the nugget, which will be known as psychotherapy. We've hit some snags, but I mean, all things, especially if they're worth it, there's going to be challenges. And I don't even want to say setbacks, but just, you know what I mean? Diversions. So working through some of that stuff, you know, continuing out there every day I leave there, a little bit more has been accomplished. Maybe not as much as I want to that day, but a little bit more is always accomplished. So working on that. Other than that, right now, just kind of really plotting and figuring out my 2024 inkmirrors.com convention tour. Been talking with Ted about from Ted's Marvelous Custom Gumball Emporium about what shows he's going to do and some we might do together. And and been talking with Brian about where we're going to book a room for this and what we're going to do for that. So kind of really starting to put all that together and letting it take shape. Other than that, not much. And that takes up 
a lot of time. There really is not much more time for anything else. Yeah, I've started to see some celebrity announcements for some shows. There's already been maybe one big show that was up. I feel like it was in Canada, but I saw some videos of that. I mean, our friends at Bootleg as Fuck Toys, they're always on the road. I feel like they've been to a couple shows. So it's starting to get in the swing of convention season, and I'm excited. I think, and we've talked about this before, the celebrities are... The announcements are fine. They're cool. Like, you know, people get excited about that. I'm more excited to see the vendors and what people have new this year. And our friends. I mean, uh, we haven't seen Chuck, or I haven't seen Chuck for a while. I haven't seen Brett for a while. You know, haven't seen our convention friends for a while. I'm super excited for that. Yeah, I was talking with a friend recently, and I'm like, you have to go to Flashback. You have to go to Flashback. It is just such, for whatever reason, a special fun time, you know, that specific convention. So I'm looking forward to getting back to Flashback in um, Chicago. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. I mean, I am curious to see, and I know that these things don't really have anything to do with each other, but we're in an election year. Is that, and if so, how is that going to affect things like convention turnout, a haunted attraction turnout, movies coming out? Because election years always seem to get really crazy. So I hope that it's a good year all around for all this cool stuff because we're just now starting to plot it out, plan it out, get into it. And, you know, along the way, we're going to talk about some horror movies here on the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast. Oh, movies and music, comics. We're kind of all over everything in the horror community. This show is kind of comprised of split personalities. A little bit, yeah. There's me, there's you, there's Leah, then there's another me, and then another me, and then, then, yeah, a couple of me's. There's a few of me, too, but I usually, we all have a discussion before I start recording. You're like, okay, go sit down. I got to record this episode. But I want to record today. Like, all right, fine. You can record. I'm going to take a nap. It's interesting. Well, don't forget to like and subscribe to I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Check out one of our multiple personalities. You know, we got appendages for your free streaming movies, indie spotlight for your independent horror, mishmash for all your mission mint monster happenings. What else do we got? There's also sometimes Clint does the news. I was thinking of that today when I was looking at the news. I was like, oh, I bet this is killing Clint. There's like so much horror news right now. Just looking through it. I was like, I just know you want to talk about this stuff, but you're just so busy building an empire which is going to be great for everybody involved. So the, the news can go on the back burner for as long as it needs to, because it, the impact psychotherapy, I hope, has will be in the news. Me too. And thank you. I appreciate that. I actually have an idea that I'll, I'll tell you when we're done recording here, what I'm thinking about doing about that. Well, what else do we got? Indie Spotlight, the main show, Mishmash, how YouTube, TikTok, fucking X, Threads, I don't even remember what else. Instagram, blah, 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 blah. All that good stuff. I think the only thing we're not on is uh, like eHarmony and Grinder. I think those are the only social media apps that we're not on. Who knows what former co-host Jason has signed us up for. So, <laughs> If somebody is wearing a Harry Warden mask, Leah's probably on eHarmony looking for them. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we probably are everywhere. Everywhere and nowhere all at once because we're just a figment of your personalities. I'm scared. Take care. Bye bye. I think I, I'm really I'm really scared. Till next time, if there is a next time. Hey, what's wrong with you, man? Show some fucking respect for the dead, will you?